0: Hello and welcome to Brifa Soundbites. Join us as we explore the wonderful world of intellectual property and how all businesses, regardless of sector and size, have IP to be unlocked and used to expand and grow the business. Hello, I'm Eamon Chalk and in today's episode I will be talking with Matt Dowling. Matt is the founder of the Freelancer Club. He's a campaigner for the self-employed, a speaker and a brand consultant. Matt, thanks for joining.
1: Great to be here.
0: Great stuff. Great to have you. So I suppose the first question for people who uh, may not know you and who may not know um, a lot about the Freelancer Club is uh, what is the Freelancer Club and how and why did you end up starting it?
1: Well, the club is a community of creative freelancers, uh, predominantly those working in fashion, beauty and lifestyle. And it came about through a number of events. It's not the the cleanest, most succinct brand story of all time, but we've tried to whittle it down. Um, The the journey goes back a number of years when I came out of university, uh, not fully known what to do, but having had uh, some experience in the photography space, I got asked to shoot a wedding and I was dead broke, so I said yes and had never met the bride and groom, went along, took some shots, I only messed up a few times. <laughs> missed the first dance when I was having a smoke. And um, somehow got away with this. And they seemed to like the work that I submitted. And uh, off the back of that, one or two other guests asked if I could shoot their wedding. And really before I knew it, I was freelancing without any plan. Uh, so it was very much trial and error learning how to run a business and navigating the various different aspects of setting yourself up as a self-employed individual, um, and over a number of years, uh, that experience uh, started to inform what would later become Freelancer Club. One of the major uh, sort of touch points on that journey was an interaction with a, uh, a fashion company who I had had an amazing relationship with for the guts of a year, uh, but then Uh, they had some issues with their accountancy department. So they told me, uh, which then turned into technical issues the month after and Mm. all sorts of other excuses. Rubbish. uh, Yeah. Yeah. In the end it was only through a contact that I was able to get into their head office and discovered they had, they'd gone bankrupt. Uh, Mm. so they were using me to shoot their last remaining stock. Uh, I'd given up all my other clients. I was in a lot of debt to move out of my flat. I was sleeping on floors of, of, of mates and um, it made the paper. A journalist heard the story and others came uh, out of the woodwork to say a similar thing happened to me. And I think that was probably the, the moment I realized there's not enough support for freelancers. There's not enough known about freelancing and what the realities are like. Mm. Um, and that was really the catalyst then to, to start setting up a community. Uh, and, uh, and moving Freelancer Club into a space that could accommodate everybody. So inclusivity is, is a big part of it. And um, I mean, that's yeah. probably the long-winded slash potted history of, of how we got here.
0: Yeah, and I think like lots of, you know, like lots of people we uh, speak to in our line of work advising on legal issues and IP, it's very often the, the, the problem that is the catalyst for you know, actually having to think about the way we do things and then doing something proactive Um, to put a solution, you know, to address what's gone wrong, but also to, um, you know, to put a plan in place so that it doesn't happen again in the future. Um, And you spoke about inclusivity and making Freelancer Club accessible to everyone, which leads me on to what I wanted to ask you about in in terms of membership and, you you know, who it's for. Presumably you do work with a lot of other photographers then, but do you work with other creatives or is is it accessible to uh, freelancers more broadly?
1: Yeah, so we've yet to come up with a decent collective noun to describe the community, but in essence, if you have a portfolio of creative work, um, you're going to be well suited. Uh, that said, we've got um, a really nice cohort of freelance writers, we've got a bunch of freelance marketeers, um, and folks who would be on the edges of what some might consider to be a, a creative portfolio. but predominantly we've got photographers, we've got makeup artists, fashion stylists, uh, we have graphic designers. Um, so typically if you're in fashion, beauty, lifestyle or design, uh, it's a good spot for you. Um, that said, the, the bulk of our resources and, and when you become a member, you get to access a range of different things. They're fairly universal. Um, mm-hmm. So we have uh, a lot of meetups and events online. We also have workshops. Uh, many of which would be suitable for anybody thinking about going freelance. And then we've got some more niche bits and pieces. So, for instance, there's a a collaboration uh, feature that we've built. And within an algorithm, it facilitates matches with other uh, collaborators in the community. So if you're a photographer looking to create new work for your portfolio, we have over 50,000 creative individuals who are also looking to reach out and, and collaborate with you in your local area. Uh, So you might find a makeup artist, model, and stylist in uh, London for instance, produce the work um, and then upload it into your profile on the site and there's a really nice virtuous circle as that then enhances and increases your likelihood of landing jobs both on the site, of which we have many, and off the site. So one of our big differentials is exactly that, it's, it's trying uh, not to pin people into a site or restrict them in any way. It's, it's the opposite. We want to educate and, and nurture so that every member of the club can act uh, in the club, but also act outside the club on any other platform or uh, or, or in real life. Imagine that off, you know, offline where uh, <laughs> they can put their skills to the test by knocking on people's doors or negotiating with a client or 101 other things that us freelancers have to do.
0: Yeah, blinking step into the sun after all these years <laughs> inside and <laughs> online and you know having done that and having set up this this uh, space you know digital space and physical space for for people to collaborate and do business do you do you feel like you've seen change you know positive change negative change are the, you know since you've started do you feel like do you feel like there have been di- noticeable differences in the way that people are operating?
1: Oh yeah, there's, there's been dramatic change. So I started freelancing probably n- near on 20 years ago and I freelanced for the guts of a decade. And during that time, the word freelance was basically used to state uh, you can't get a real job, so you're gonna do this thing. Mm-hmm. And the, 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 the whole definition, the culture around it, the stigma around it has totally changed. It's incredib- incredibly aspirational now. We do a lot of work with universities and the, the next generation are fearlessly uh, aspiring to get into freelancing. It's, a, it's something that they're willing to do during their studies and straight after graduation, which is not something uh, that, that was the case when, uh, when I started. So certainly the stigma around what it is to be a freelancer, I think, has dramatically changed for the better. Um, there's a ton of other areas in which we've seen um, changes technology has had a massive impact on mm. the photography and videography space in particular um with the the capacity of what a phone can do and the type of um, imagery and content that everybody can now create it, it's almost become a totally different landscape for content creators um, and photographers videographers or those who just made things over the past number of years have really had to adapt their craft to try and compete with what is now a, a very different world. So not only do you have to be technically exceptional mm. uh, to, to be better than somebody who's got an, an iPhone 13, but you've gotta be able to bring other soft skills to the party, and, and I would say this goes for all freelancers. You know, Ability to communicate, um, ability to organize, Having a, a very heightened imagination and problem solving capability to see angles and things and solutions that others can't are now really at the forefront of what a freelancer needs to bring to the to the gig to to be able to differentiate from what perhaps say an intern might now do with a phone, which is um who they're competing with as well as their peers so a really interesting time at the moment and a very different landscape to when oh, yeah. i
0: began yeah absolutely and of course covid and and um the fact that so many people were in a in an insecure and unsecure situation with their employed jobs over the last couple of years has probably accelerated that process of younger people being just more ambitious about becoming entrepreneurs and having their own businesses because you know as 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 you said and, and you know when I was in university as well there was an assumption that a safe you know employment style job a good pensionable job was the, was the kind of gold standard and you know the last couple of years has turned a lot of that on, on its head that you know employment isn't necessarily secure and people want to be in control of their own destiny a lot more I think and they've also placed a lot more emphasis on things like work life balance and you know doing a job that they actually enjoy and certainly if you're your own boss that's you know that's um, th- that's great you also mentioned soft skills which i think is which i think is um interesting because you know even in the legal profession when we hire lawyers for example we hire people who've gone to university they've usually done some sort of law degree or law qualification and so we know that they know how to draft legal letters and they know how to do all the hard skills that you need to have. But if you're gonna run your own business, you know, whether it's communication with people, doing business development, knowing how to set up a website and do social media marketing, all of that stuff is the stuff that you don't learn in your law degree. And if you want to have a, you know, law practice that is a business, then that's all the stuff that you have to learn somewhere else, either on the job or, you know, elsewhere in your in your life and presumably it's the same with, with freelancers you know lots of these people have a skill it's a graphic design skill or a photography skill or a videography skill or whatever it is but the soft skills become super important if you make that kind of psychological leap and say I'm going to run my own business so you know through the through the freelancer club do you work on those kind of skills with people as well to help them to negotiate contracts you know use social media to the max to, to run a business to have a good website all that kind of stuff
1: Yes, that, that's a really big part of what we do. So although we've got a, a fairly thriving jobs board and we recognize that that's how most people find us and why most people come to us, it's it's the part in the middle that we feel is, is even more advantageous. You know, the, 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 the teach them man to fish uh, analogy comes to mind. But mm-hmm. what we're trying to do is is nurture our community uh, in all of the aspects you've mentioned so we don't just look at the business side but we have a lot of content and resources there so there's courses there's workshops there's articles and guides there's a ton of content to be able to understand the, the fundamentals of a freelance business which would comprise of things like branding marketing sales um, client management um, yeah. and 100, 101 other things but then equally we feel the mindset is I- imperative if you just have the business but you don't have the mindset you know you may not be able to get out of bed in the morning to put those skills into practice so everything from resilience training confidence building we talk a lot about isolation triggers that we think are very common across freelancers that can cause uh, financial anxiety yeah uh, in in worst case scenarios like d- depression and, and and you know very um uh worrying signals when when we start to, to layer on the pandemic and, and what that's done for for a lot of individuals across the board freelance or not mm. so we're really passionate about bringing those two elements together and ensuring that our community and and freelancers at large are aware that just because you're good at something doesn't necessarily mean you're suited to business and mm. it takes a, a lot more you know it it, it is pretty crazy when you think about it. You effectively have somebody who's exceptionally good at something. They feel that others out there are willing to pay for that service. And then overnight, they're expected to run a business. It's incredibly challenging to run a business. I mean, it's uh, the likes of um, marketplace job sites and social media in effect give individuals that sort of tantalizing idea that it's quite easy to just apply for a few jobs or set up a profile um, or promote your stuff on social and the rest takes care of itself and whilst you're at uni as we were talking about uni earlier on you can get away with a lot of that stuff because it's normally just a handful of clients it's done within your studies there's not a lot of jeopardy and you you, you'd be grand most of the time yeah it's when you move into the space where you you know you need to make bank every month you got to pay rent Uh, you got to manage multiple clients Uh, You got to start feeling things out like saying no to work. That's an incredibly hard thing. Getting your head around the idea of an ever changing income each month. That's really challenging. Probably not having a social life for a couple of years. That's not easy when your mates have structure and a nine to five and they're all going off to Ibiza in the summer. You've got a client who needs some work done and there's no way you're turning it down. So there's a there's a lot to it from a mindset perspective that I Mm. think is is not spoken about enough and I'm quite keen which may seem counterintuitive for somebody that runs a freelance community but I'm quite keen to burst the bubble of this uh, sort of laptop on a beach with a mojito vision that a lot of freelancers have that is definitely achievable it really it genuinely is I've done it myself once in 10 years but it it takes a ton of work to get there and and there is a version of that that exists for for everybody but i i'd love to start to pull the curtain back and show uh, folks the reality of what it takes to get there and then once you recognize that it, it can be achievable you know um just just while i'm honest you know the a recent study i, I must get the reference but talked about how uh, younger kids are aspiring to be vloggers and bloggers YouTube stars and mm. and, and these guys are the new celebrity and, and and that's cool as an aspiration I mean well we, we could debate those merits if it's cool or not but I think if you use that as a end point and then reversed backwards and said right how did they get there you know that may seem like a very simple thing they're doing but actually there's a team of people behind the scenes there's a a brand machine working there's a big marketing strategy in place there's uh planned content that needs to be written by writers so if we can dismantle that and deconstruct mm. that you can teach how to run a business you can teach elements of entrepreneurialism um you can teach freelancers how to be freelancers and, and and those who want to set up a business in a way that may be easier to understand so we're we're quite keen to to dive into a lot of that to explain how entrepreneurialism is hard but can be amazingly uh, rewarding if you if you get it right
0: yeah yeah absolutely and i think if you deconstruct it in that way and show people that it isn't necessarily easy that there is a journey there's a there's a process that you have to go through this hard work that has to go into it when you then get to that point where you're running the business you're trying to decide what work you're going to do what work you're going to turn down you're, you're trying to overcome challenges you're much better equipped to overcome things like imposter syndrome. You're much better equipped to manage your own mental health because you feel like you, ha- you know, you haven't just been thrown in there with all these, um, you know, with all these false ideas about what it's actually going to be like. You've gone through that journey. You feel like you've built something and you feel like you've, you've earned it and you can own it. Yeah, that's 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 really useful. It's really good advice. And yes, yeah, so I suppose we've we've looked at the kind of retrospective piece. You've talked a bit about how you got going and what changes you've seen as a result. Casting your mind to the future, then, what do you think about, you know, the future of the freelance industry? Because, and again, you know, I keep uh, harking back to the pandemic, but we we've we heard loads about the gig economy and changes in the way people worked for good and for bad. You know, we we heard all sorts of opinions. But, you know, where, where, what do you think that life will be like in the future in 5, 10, 15 years?
1: Well, I don't know about 15, but uh, <laughs> in, in the next few years, I mean, even now, I think we're in a just a fantastic space. It's so interesting yeah. because, you know, before the pandemic, we were projecting a, a more hybrid um, work life. Uh, blend. And I think the pandemic has probably expedited that projection by about five or six years. You know, we, what, what's happened is a, a sort of perfect storm of um, companies having to uh, adapt and work from home. And what that's done is it's given a ton of companies who previously wouldn't have had the confidence to outsource agile talent to now say, well, this is easy, you know, with with Zoom, with Slack, with good communication, with a few project management tools, we can run our company fairly successfully here. Why don't we go and bring a few freelancers in to do something similar and have them plug gaps? Um, Most folks now or companies that have been investing in bricks and mortar have these, you know, juggernaut expenses on their books that they may now look to downsize and say, cool, again, we can start to be a lot more fluid and work in a either fully remote or hybrid remote capacity. Um, So the confidence that companies have now post-pandemic I think is a really interesting space to be in because Mm -hmm. suddenly uh, a a big chunk of folks who wouldn't have thought about bringing in freelancers before are now naturally gravitating to them and embracing that whole culture. So that's interesting. Um, I think, if you look at the way a freelancer uh, operates, so post-pandemic freelancer, it is basically what we have all gone through in the past two years. So now everyone's had a bit of a taste of it. Yeah. You know, fr- freelancers have often prioritized work-life balance. That's now something employees are demanding. Uh, freelancers have worked remotely, they've traveled and you know, used freelancing as a means to be able to have that flexibility. That's now something employees are demanding um and tech has had to move with that demand because of the pandemic previously it was trucking along for freelancers and for a few others in niche spaces now it's essential for all companies to operate or i'd say 90 plus percent of companies to Mm. operate Uh, even as we move out of the pandemic and i mean anecdotally i'm hearing of companies who Uh, are saying they're never gonna go back to what it was before, that they're they're gonna stick to a hybrid version or quite an extreme full remote version. So I think that is the most exciting aspect for me. So I can't speak to 15 years, but certainly from now for the next few years, I think we're gonna see a really exciting blended space where it's it's quite difficult to differentiate freelancers and employees just in terms of that rhythm and, mm. and some of the benefits and, and I think probably we need to look at helping freelancers out a bit more now when it comes to things like sick pay or um, paternity maternity leave and and the various other benefits that um, em- employees are getting I think there's probably a conversation to have there to see what w- what that might look like because yeah. freelancers might say well if I can get all these other benefits from being a, an employee plus I'm covered and I have a bit of structure in my life, well, I might venture back there. So uh, it's a really interesting space. I'm, I'm, I'm very excited to see what happens. And and just to add to that perfect storm analogy, traditionally after um, financial crashes, uh, or, or when we see like in 2008, mm-hmm. um, a big spike in unemployment, we also see a, a, a rise in freelance and, and self-employed. So, there's a lot of different components to this and they're moving in different ways. And I don't feel the dust has settled just yet, but I suspect by the end of the year, we'll have a much clearer idea of what that landscape looks like. But I, for one, are incredibly excited about it. I think it's gonna be a, a fantastic new world and a new way to work.
0: Yeah, it, 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 it certainly feels positive. And it's interesting, that you, it's interesting that you kind of identify that Rather than uh, freelancers trying to emulate employees, it's actually the other way around the employment industry or the employment structure is actually starting to replicate the way freelancers work with you know way more flexibility to work abroad to work from home, some companies have unlimited annual leave, and yeah, it's really interesting to see how one has has influenced has influenced the other yeah, really interesting um okay, and well, the last thing I wanted to ask you about was um you know, you're someone who's been through, you've, you've, you've been through a journey of your own. And I'm wondering, given everything that we've discussed, what advice would you give to a freelancer who was, you know, setting up now in 2022 and looking ahead to the next, whatever it is, five, 10 years, trying to, trying to earn a living as a freelancer?
1: Um, I think a lot of the bits we've chatted about today would be applicable, you know, just going in with your eyes open as to what it is to set up a business. Um, it, it, it shouldn't be daunting I love that that the, most of the new sort of flock aren't daunted by it that's amazing mm-hmm. I mean, that was a crutch we all had to bear when we were starting out so to think that that's largely eradicated is just phenomenal um, and that culture of wanting to be either you know I was going to say Mark Zuckerberg he's probably not a great example of anybody you know you'd aspire to become but let's say Elon Musk and, and he he you know whatever uh, he has some flaws and, and some graces but there are superstars out there in the entrepreneurial space and then yeah. in the freelance space, not necessarily the same kind of stature of individual, but what you can gain from it in terms of your uh, lifestyle, I think is incredibly attractive and appealing. So if you go into that, you know, f- get excited, feel, feel um, inspired by what what's possible, but equally with a sense of reality that you know there's going to be um, peaks and troughs. I think it can be a really uh, incredible lifestyle and you know we're, we're rightfully now all starting to get a little more um, uh, common sense when it comes to work life balance mm. we're having better conversations around our mental health and yep. I think all of that can feed into how individuals would like to work you know it's not just the factory um, or, or industrial era uh, structure that we, that we have to adhere to there's quite an exciting opportunity for individuals to mold their own career that isn't just about work and money, mm. but it's about lifestyle, work-life balance um, and job satisfaction. Um, you know, you don't want to be looking back when you're 50 or 60 to think, why did I do that? Yeah. And I think that's a really exciting place to be. So walking in with your eyes open and really asking yourself, what do I want out of my life? What do I want out of my career? Um, i think we'll, we'll put you in good stead moving forward
0: yeah wise words wise words go in with your eyes open and ask yourself the question what do i want out of my life a good a good um, topic to or a good note to to end on but we're not done yet because as you know because i told you in advance we're going to ask you a few a few slightly odd questions so that we can uh, wrap things up by getting to know you a little bit so they're slightly rapid fire but um, the first one is, what are you most proud of?
1: Um, so I, I think from a, uh, a work perspective, we set up our, our no free work campaign a number of years ago. This is a real passion project of mine, touching on what, what happens in, in my personal journey. So we're looking to end exploitative unpaid work in the freelance yep. industry. We're doing a ton of work on the grounds and we're pushing government to change legislation also a part of a number of really great collectives with very influential uh, folks in the industry who are coming together and starting to think the same way. So, uh, really proud of the work we've done in in that space.
0: Yeah, that's a brilliant one. It's a brilliant uh, um, initiative as well, something you can be really proud of. Um, The second question, which is a slightly odd one, but I love asking it. Um, When you were a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? We've had really weird answers (laughs) to this question.
1: (laughs) You know, I've not been uh, prepped on this. You're getting legitimate <laughs> first for top of my head, and I have a disastrous memory. Um, I wanted to be a doctor when I was younger because my grandfather was a doctor, and um, there was something about helping people yeah. that still still is, is, is within me. I often find it weird when somebody needs help that everybody doesn't flock to them. Um, and that, I think... Uh, not having the academic ability to do five-plus years uh, in medicine, I think I've probably found the closest I can within a space that I think I'm pretty good at. So trying to help um, in any way I can within the community. But, um, yeah, that's probably where I get that. I wanted to be a doctor when I was younger.
0: Yeah, that's, that's laudable. And you've, you've certainly found a way to help people now in your later life, so you, you didn't end up a million miles away from that. Um, the next one is, if you could go back in history... Uh, for just one day, where would you go, and, and when would you go, and, and why? Oh, God.
1: Um, let me have a think. Know. There was a World Cup game that Ireland should have won. I felt, the pitch, <laughs> I, felt I could have influenced it. Um, where would I go? Oh, God, I can't give you a great answer to that one. I, I'm Probably, well, I studied contemporary art... But actually, prior to that, I got really interested in in the Renaissance era, and nice. um, I think it'd be quite cool to to be bimbling around in a time where things were were really, it felt like really changing. I mean, the reality is we're probably in that time now yeah. where the kind of digital space is moving so quickly, and and uh, I'd imagine back then it was just plodding along for for hundreds of years. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've probably contradicted my answer, but for the sake of meeting somebody like uh, you know, Michelangelo or... or da Vinci or
0: someone, with, yeah.
1: Yeah, Caravaggio, just, you know, these lads who seem to be define what's possible in the space of art and creating works that just bring light in that we'd never seen before I think is kind of cool and the innovation that was happening. and. Probably attracted to the innovation actually. That's uh, I've talked my way into an answer there. <laughs> where um that I think is something that excites me. So uh, anything yeah, innovative no. and anything to be a part of that would be cool.
0: Yeah. No, that's a that's a really, really good answer, yeah. As, as a creative person, which you obviously are, to go back to a time in history when innovation and creativity was exploding in Europe would be would be really cool. And this is the last one so you can breathe a big sigh of relief. Um, who do you admire? and and why
1: um oh god i admire a lot of people i, I admire a lot of people i I, I did a, a an exercise a few years ago on this where i was asked to list my values and put them in an order of priority and i don't know if you've ever done this yourself <laughs> i found it bloody hard it's difficult um yeah. so the trick I used to, to get there was to think of folks that I admire and ask myself, why do I admire them? And a, a lot of the time it was it, it, people in my life, uh, uh, not necessarily well-known people, uh, but the values that came out were, were often um, surrounded by things like integrity, mm. um, people who book the trend. I'm, I'm a big fan of, of rebellion and people who don't necessarily conform um, I've realized that injustice is a really big driver of mine, and I, I, I can't stand when when there isn't equality or or justice in the world. It really bothers me, and I want to do something about it. So uh, figures in history, I mean, you could pick 101, but, but anybody who I think has stood up for something that is so clearly wrong um, is something I've always admired. Um, I, I was at the protests in... Uh, uh, in Trafalgar Square um a few days ago um, and, and to hear some speakers talk about what's happening in Ukraine at the mm. moment and and anything like that where you really see a, a very clear injustice and somebody standing up and passionately doing something about it um gets the the hair standing up in the back of my neck and, and that's what I admire so yeah um yeah that that that's something I I, I hope I can kind of bring into my own life and and move forward with
0: yeah and and those are good values to bring with you in your in your personal life and your work life too quite right quite right all right well thanks very much matt that's everything from me and thanks again very much for joining us
1: Yeah, thanks, Emil. Good to chat.
0: Great stuff. Thank you for listening to Briffa Soundbites. Our guest today was Matt Dowling. You can subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. And you can get in touch with us by visiting briffa.com.